Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. John chapter 14 and verse 1. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1, Jesus is talking here, and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Man, I love this scripture. It's just so powerful. It reminds us that God has a plan. Aren't you glad that God doesn't fly by the seat of the pants? Aren't you glad he knows all things? He is this omniscient being that we have a relationship with who created everything that is out in our universe and in our world. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, if somebody says that, they're expecting you to come. I go to prepare a place for you. So that means he's reaching out to everybody. I know there are people that are around you that are non-believers. Maybe you even have some within your family. And they are not actively serving God. But that doesn't stop God from reaching out to them with love. Never forget that. Even the most unlovely person God wants to love. Even the person who curses him and takes his name in vain. Even the person who is openly in sin and doing things that are against his word. Never, never, never forget God loves them. Well, Pastor, you're saying that does that mean everybody goes to heaven? I didn't say that. I said God loves them. See, they have to have a relationship with him. If they have a relationship with him, then they inherit everything that he says is possible. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. He is coming back. You know, I'm surprised. I run into people many times that uh, have some kind of religious background, but not necessarily anything active in their faith. And so one day I was witnessing to a particular fellow, and uh, we were on a trip together going down to uh, one of the conferences down in Springfield, Illinois. And he was an elected official, and as we started talking, I thought, what's the best way to be able to try to reach out to him? I've done different things through the years. One person like that, I had used uh, the idea of just assuming that he was born again and talked to him about Christ. And he looked at me and he said, do you think I'm born again? I said, well, of course you are. Don't you believe this and this? And he said, yes. He said, I never knew that's what that word meant. In his church, they didn't use that terminology. They used a commitment to Christ. That was the words that he said. 
Well, with this other fella, I was witnessing to him and I just sharing about my faith. And I said, you know, Jesus is coming back. And he looked at me and he said, why? I said, well, what do you know about Jesus? He said, well, I know that we have Christmas and, you know, Jesus was born in a manger. And then I know we have Easter and Jesus died on the cross. But why would he come back? He had never heard that Jesus was coming back. And I started to share with him. I said, you need to know. I said, eventually the things on this world are going to end. And Christ is going to call all believers to go home to be with him in the air, in heaven. He said, well, what's going to happen to the rest of the people? I said, well, those people that rejected Christ will be left here and they'll face judgment because they chose not to serve God. And he said, well, how come nobody's ever warned them? He was as honest as honest could be. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've never heard about this. He said, don't you think it's not fair if I haven't heard? I said, well, do you believe in Jesus? He said, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not sure about the church. He said, the church I went to, and he listed several things that had gone on that he didn't go anymore because of that. And I said, well, but have you ever asked Christ into your life? He said, well, I'm not sure how to do that. See, what I'm saying to you this morning with this part of this story is that never just assume that everybody who says they know about Jesus knows about Jesus. Talk to them. You don't ever have to be condescending. You don't ever have to be superior. You need to be loving. The way I got born again was with a man, a woman who shared the gospel in our youth meeting one night over a weekend of, of meetings that were going on, and you could just see the love in their heart. They were trying to tell us that God loved us. I, I knew about God. I knew about Jesus, but I had never asked him into my heart. When I did that, it changed my life forever. As he and I continued to talk, he said, so when is this event going to happen? I said, nobody knows the day or the hour. I said, but he's coming back. I said, so you just need to be ready. He said, well, I don't think I'm ready. I said, you want to be ready? See how easy. Now, I know you're going to run into some folks that will make fun of your faith, that will put you down. This man was ripe. Are, are you still with me here? He, he was ripe. He was ready to open up his heart. See, when you and I pray for people to be saved, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is out there working. The Holy Spirit this morning is waking people who were in a drunken stupor last night, and he's speaking to them about the love of God. Even though they don't understand it, even though they don't know it, there's a voice that's speaking to them, and they're trying to figure out what they believe or why they believe. Or they're out there just looking for happiness someplace. They wouldn't go out and try to do what they're doing to try to get some relief from the pain or sorrow or mix-up. Our world, our culture is in absolute chaos today. People have no idea which bathroom to use. They, they have no idea. Can you imagine that that would have ever been a discussion even two years ago? There is a complete attack on everything in our world that we have ever had any value with. And please know that the Bible said that was going to happen in the last days. It didn't mention necessarily which potty to go into. But it did tell us that there would be absolute 
anarchy and chaos in the world. That's not putting anybody down. That's saying that you need to understand the time is short at hand. The time is at hand for us to be able to share the good news that Jesus has prepared a place. Hallelujah. He's got a place to cover for anybody who would believe on him. As he and I, this man and I, continued to share, I was able to share the believer's prayer with him, how to accept Christ. And he did that right then. And I said, now, here's the key. Live for God every day. He said, but don't you want to ask me about my sins? He said, because you know I've got some. I said, well, do you know about them? He said, yeah. I said, well, take them to God. I know that we had the most bizarre conversation. And there was another fellow in the car just listening. He didn't enter in. He was as quiet as could be. And my friend said, but I've done some bad things. And I said, everybody has. Ask God to forgive you. He said, but I've got some stuff that I'm involved in right now. He said, I'm doing some things that are not good. I said, then find out how you can stop them and have God's help to get over them. When we finished up our conversation, he said, is it really that simple? He thought it was going to be terribly difficult to really have a relationship with God. Simple faith is what works. Now, he's moved away from here. He's now living up outside of the Chicago area. He's working in a particular city government up there and helping in that community. You might say, well, Pastor, did he quit all of his bad things? I don't know. Have you quit all your bad things? Nobody said amen, I suppose. (laughs) See, we're not here to list the bad stuff. We're here to list the good things of our God that he has prepared a place for those who will yield their heart to him. Now, we all have to work on things. And I believe that with God's help, you can give victory over those humps in your life. That doesn't mean we're going and saying, listen, hey, stay in your sin. You know what? The more you dig into God and close to him, the more the Holy Spirit says you need to deal with this thing. And he'll give you the strength to do it. He'll give you the help to do it. In verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven any other way. It's not about being good enough. It's not about impressing anybody. It's not about making all the things in the world perfect. I had a science teacher in seventh grade. His mother went to the church I was attending at that time. And so the Friday before Mother's Day came along, my teacher came up to me because he knew I was a Christian. I had tried to witness to him many times. I carried my Bible with me to school every day. At times he would make fun of my faith, and uh, he would just laugh about it in front of the class when he was teaching evolution. And so what I would do when he had given out a test, I wrote down the answers he wanted, and then behind every one of them, I wrote it out very nicely, I don't believe a word of this. I don't believe a word of this. I got good grades in the class. I did what I needed to do to pass. I wrote what he wanted, but I always was ministering to him. The lady who shared the other office with him, oh my goodness, she was a Pentecostal oneness lady. She was wild. She was out there. She was always witnessing to him, always witnessing to him. One day I went into the office, and he said, he introduced me to her, and he says to her, oh, this is one of you. So here it was the Friday before Mother's Day, and as we finished up class, he came by. He said, hey, I'll see you in church this Sunday. 
I said, praise the Lord. Remember, I'm seventh grade. I said, I'm so glad you're coming to church. He said, it's Mother's Day. I have to do it every year for my mother. <laughs> now, let me tell you a story 40 years later. I'm at the chaplain's training for volunteer chaplains for local fire departments. And I'm with a man from the area that's pastoring that church that I went to as a little boy. As we're sitting, talking, getting the training we need to to help our fire departments here in the area, he said to me, oh, I've got to call up my prayer partner. I'm not going to make it to prayer with him. And we always meet and pray for our church. I said, oh, really? I said, who's your prayer partner? And he says this guy's name. My jaw hits the floor. I said, was he a teacher at Glenview Junior High? He goes, I believe that's where he retired. I said, his first name is Burl. You don't find too many Burls. <laughs> I said, is he active in church? He said, he's one of the most faithful people that we have. And he prays all the time. Man, I was flying high. Please don't misunderstand. I don't, I'm not saying to take any credit for any of that. I'm saying the word got into him. I would have never known it except that this pastor that I was in training with said, he's my prayer partner. You know what? Lazy Christians are not prayer partners. He was dedicated. He said, oh, after I told him the story, he said, I can't wait to tell him I know about him. <laughs> and he said, I can't wait to tell him your name. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You may never know till you get into heaven, somebody who comes up to you and says, bet you didn't think I was going to be here. <laughs> but because of the love of Jesus Christ, lives get transformed. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Let's go back a little further in the New Testament to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Oh, our God is so amazing. Man, when you sing that song, Amazing Grace, or when you think about anything with the power of God, it is just something else. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and uh, let's go down to verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or died prematurely, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who, fall who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. 
Now, we're not going to go into a, a big, long dissertation on end-time prophecy. We've done that before and laid out about the rapture and the second coming, the differences that are there. Second coming, when the Bible speaks of that, Jesus actually touches down upon the earth. So that's after the seven years of tribulation. But what we're reading here is he's speaking to them. He uses a terminology that we're pretty... Well, we're not familiar with. We don't use it today. To say that when someone has died, that they have fallen asleep. Now, the Bible clearly states to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, when a person passes away here upon the earth, they leave their body and their spirit soul steps into the presence of God. And they receive a heavenly body. They are there in the presence of Almighty God. Now, the important thing for us to understand here is, as he's speaking, there was some false teaching going on at that time. Remember, the church was very young. They were just learning. It's just like today. There are times that there'll be different false prophets or false teachers out there teaching something that really has nothing to do with the Word of God. Always go back to your Bible. Always go back to read it in context for where it's at. So as he's speaking here, he's saying, listen, some of you are scared that because people died before Jesus came back, they're not going to go to heaven. He says, I got good news for you. Those bodies that are in the grave that are sleeping, they've died before the Lord came back. Those bodies, when the trumpet sounds, God's going to raise those bodies up first before you and I go. He says, now it's going to be like in a twinkling of an eye. Or another Bible version says, in an atomic second. That's faster than you and I can blink. How amazing. He was saying, listen, I want you to know, even though their bodies are here on the earth, God has paid the price with the blood of Jesus, spirit, soul, body. It's interesting that it's in that way that Scripture speaks about it, spirit, soul, body, because the spirit, soul is that part of us that is born again, filled with the power of God, our soulish area, mind, emotions, and our will. You're going to have that with you in eternity. Now, you're not going to have the sorrow and the pain. You're not going to have those things. Those will be left here upon this earth. But the cool part is God's concerned even about your body. He's going to transform it. It's going to fly up before the presence of God. doesn't matter whether it's all deteriorated. doesn't matter whether it's ashes. doesn't matter if it's just been freshly laid in the grave. God is going to transform it. That's the kind of gospel we have, a gospel that transforms lives. Amen? A transformation can go on in any person's life. So as he speaks this out here, he says, get excited, get ready. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I know you can't always be here with me all the time in my office. You have to have work. You have to have jobs. But sometimes I think about that cemetery being across the street from me. And I, yeah, I, this is completely unscriptural. Do you ever have unscriptural thoughts? Don't confess them. It's all right. I thought, Lord, wouldn't it be amazing if you could just give me a heads up that you're getting ready to start and... I know it's going to be an atomic second, so I'm really not going to be able to even turn my chair around on my desk. But wouldn't it be cool to watch everything breaking open over at the cemetery and knowing it's time just to think, I'm getting up on the top of my desk. I'm ready to go. 
Doesn't matter whether you're in your car. Doesn't matter whether you're in your bed. Doesn't matter if you're playing outside. Doesn't matter if you're at work. Doesn't matter if you're getting lectured by your boss. Guess what? You don't have to stay for the rest of the lecture. <laughs> Boom! Man, I'm telling you what, God's going to have the attention of your boss. Listen, I saw that you clocked it. Where'd they go? There'll be people out there. We had an alien invasion that stole bodies the other day. It's time for all the world to come together with one world government. We all need to support each other because our loved ones have disappeared from the earth. The devil's still going to be lying to people over those seven years. Still going to be trying to deceive people. We must get the gospel message out now. We must encourage others to believe. The graves are going to be empty. And those that are alive will be raptured, even though that word's not in the Bible. Rapture means caught away. It's a word that was used in the early church later on, after Scripture was written. We will be raptured, and we will be out of here. Before the seven years of tribulation kick in, before the judgment happens. Because when you give your life to Christ, you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. You are a part of the family of God. Can I get an amen? Turn one page over in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 gives a little more detail there, starting at verse 1 through 9. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. What he's saying there is you, church, are not in darkness, so that that day should overtake you as a thief. The world's not expecting it. The world's not looking for it. The world is denying that there's even a God. The world's out there proclaiming that they know best for everybody and everything. Look down in verse 5. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk are drunk at night. And let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, love, and the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember we read at the beginning, I go to prepare a place for you. Would you say that with me? I go to prepare a place for you. Never, never, never forget that. So that he speaks here in verse 9, God has not appointed us to wrath. Yeah, but there's all kinds of calamity happening in other parts of the world, Pastor. Well, there's calamity out there all around us. Calamity doesn't just stop just because you're a Christian. Calamity will try to attack you and try to bring you down. But you've now got a hope. You've now got a future. You've now got a faith that's living and alive inside you so that when calamity comes, you say, I will not accept that. That is not the final word for me. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just need to get angry and put your foot down. Sometimes you need to have a determination around you. Don't be wishy-washy. Well, you know, I don't know. Live and let live. Uh, whoa, please get over the 60s. It's done with. Power to the people. It's all done with. Flower power. Man, if you want to have flowers, praise the Lord, grow them. But you don't need to smoke them. 
Find the peace in God. Find the power in God. It'll change everything in your life here. As he speaks up here, he said, I have not appointed you to wrath. So when people start saying to you, look, 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 look at what's going on with you. God's getting even with you. In heaven, there's so many white marks, and in heaven, there's so many black marks. And if you got more black marks against you, you're going down. Wow. Can you imagine what heaven would look like? Trying to keep a scoreboard with all of that? Oh, but pastor, I know God's taken note of everything I've done, and I don't think I can ever be forgiven because of this one big thing back there. Every bit of it gets put under the blood. If the blood isn't sufficient to cover it, then we don't have any power. But God has given us power and victory, and he says, I've not appointed you to wrath. So when folks say to you, you're going to have to go through the tribulation. If you watch Christian television, oh, my, 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 I hope you read your Bible right along with it because there's fruitcakes on there. There's all kinds of people wanting you to buy food and store it up in your basement. Now, if you want to have extra food just in case there's a problem, which there could be problems that will come against our country, but you're not going to go through the seven years of tribulation. Have an extra jar of peanut butter in your cupboard. That's a good thing. Have an extra bag of popcorn. It's a good thing. Do what you need to do. I understand that, but don't get a survivalist mentality thinking that God has abandoned you. Yes, God wants you prepared. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. But there's folks out there selling fear. Support our ministry today, and we'll send you this five-gallon jug. It's got all kinds of powder stuff that tastes like bacon. Well, that in itself is enough to make you buy it. It tastes like bacon? Let's order it. And for your gift of $55, you too can now have a spot because we bought land out in the country so that when the tribulation comes, you can come and put a tent up. I'll never forget watching one of them do this. You can put a tent up in our land. And we built bathrooms so that you don't have to be worried about it. Bathrooms and shower houses. Now, what makes them think that the Antichrist is going to let them keep doing things because they have private land? Listen, devil, you stay away from my pup tent. I'm going to go in and eat some bacon once I can find some water to put it in. I'm sorry if I've hurt any of your feelings if you bought any of that stuff. But I'm here to tell you, you don't need to live in fear. God does not motivate by fear. God motivates by faith. God uses his word to bring blessing. He speaks to us that God has not appointed us to wrath. Then in verse 4 especially, I don't know if we can go back up to that. Can you pop that up, Emmy? Verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that that day should overtake you as a thief. Aren't we expecting the return of the Lord? Man, we're expecting that Jesus could come today. Hallelujah. But, Lord, now, could you wait till after we get done barbecuing for lunch? It's going to be really good today. and I plan to take dominion over some beef. No, that's not my real prayer. If the Lord wants to come right now, hallelujah, let him come. Let's take and wrap some things up here. Go back to the Gospels in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, take a look at uh, verse 46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Jesus is talking. 
He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes in my name and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the streams beat vehemently against it, against that house, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who hears and did he who hears and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the streams beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great is he your lord he talks here about those who hear and do the word they dug deep and laid a good foundation for the house to be laid on then verse 48 says not if but when the floods arose don't ever sit back and think, oh, I'm a Christian. God's never going to let anything bad happen around me. Bad things are always going on out there, but God is your protection and strength. That's why he's giving the armor of God. That's why in Ephesians 6, when it speaks, you have the helmet of salvation. You have the breastplate of righteousness. Your loins are girt about with truth. Your feet are covered in the preparation of the gospel. You have the shield of faith. You have the sword of the spirit, and you have the prayer of faith that comes out when you pray in the Holy Ghost. God's given you power. Now, attacks are going to come. Floods are going to come. Disasters are going to be out there. The Word even says those things will increase in the last days leading up. The world's going to be blaming us. Insurance companies call it an act of God. But I'm telling you this, God is not in the destruction business. That's the devil wreaking havoc upon this earth. And the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to wipe out. But the word here, as it speaks in verse 49, it talks, it said, they heard and did nothing because they built their house on worldly ideas and it fell and it was destroyed. Don't let the world destroy you. Don't let the constant barrage of things hit you and take away your value system. You know, there's not one show that's out there today, it seems, on mainline TV that doesn't have something in it that is contrary to the Word of God. You, you just have to decide what you're going to watch and what you're not going to watch. You may find that you're going to have to go ahead and limit this and limit that. Man, there was a series we were watching on TV, and we were enjoying it. There was sometimes some things a little controversial, but we thought, okay, it hasn't pushed us over the limit. But as it got to the end on things, here's this catastrophe happening, and these two women break out kissing together on television, but not, not a kiss just of, you know, I'm your friend, I love you. It was like an intimate kiss that would only happen between an intimate man and woman. At that point, we said, that's it. It's done. It's being sold to us every day. It's being pushed in the commercials. It's being pushed in the legislature. It's being pushed in all these things. And the Word of God says homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Bible. That's not an opinion. That's Bible. That's sin. That's not up for debate. Yeah, but pastor, I have such good friends. I have friends that are in that. Maybe you even have a family member that's in that. That doesn't mean you condemn them. That means you've got to love on them. We've got to let them see the truth. They've been blinded by an error. 
They've been blinded by something out here. Oh, well, you know, right now it's popular, Pastor. You know, it's popular in a lot of the young people groups that are out there that, you know, you, you, you go both ways. You try this, you try that. You're just open to everything. God, God has a reason. God has a plan for everything. And that never means that we sit back and put people down, but don't deny the truth. Don't deny the truth. You're going to find out one day, you better know what you believe. Because if you don't know, somebody else is going to try to shape it. I know it's, it's not popular in some places. I know that there are folks that are out there that can get really upset. I have friends that I am in contact with on Facebook, and they're constantly selling this whole idea of this neutral gender type of thing or this transgender or, or all these different things. I still love them. I still reach out to them. You know, part of the reason I stay connected to them is because I know they read everything I put up. I want them to see the life of God. I want them to know that Jesus saved me when I was yet a sinner who needed to be forgiven, and Jesus can forgive them. It's tough what our world is dealing with. It's tough the pressures that are going on. Because you know what? Everybody wants to be loved. Who doesn't want to be loved? Everybody wants to be loved. I've got good male friends that I'm close with, but there's nothing intimate that goes on physically like that. Hopefully you have good lady friends that you're close with, that you can be very honest and open and just trust them with all your heart, but it wasn't meant to be something that was sexual. How do we balance it out? First of all, don't do things by hate. Don't go out there trying to hurt people. We'll go out there and love on them. Let's, let's go to Proverbs chapter uh, 31. Here it is on Mother's Day. What most of us would call this portion of Scripture, talking about the virtuous woman. Pastor, how I understand what you're saying, but my son or my daughter is involved in homosexuality. How, how can I deal with that? I love them. Oh, please don't stop loving them. They need the love of Christ. Do you know some people are just deceived? They're just trying to figure out where to fit in. Some people were hurt. Some ladies were hurt by men who took advantage of them that were jerks. Don't, you don't have to say amen to that, but you know some guys are jerks. They weren't taught how to be gentlemen. And they hurt women. They took advantage of them. They've done terrible things. And so after this hurt that goes on, their natural reaching out to someone and their girlfriend comes along. And they love on them and care for them, and they think, well, this must be the right thing. I'm not getting hurt in this relationship. And so they enter into that type of a physical relationship also. They just did something out of hurt. Same thing is true for men. Sometimes there's guys that have overbearing moms. They have moms that are just more or less battle axes. And they so control their sons, they go out in the world and they start to find these relationships that they're not compatible with. What do you mean you want me to be in charge? I'm not supposed to be in charge. Somebody else is supposed to be in charge. So then they find a male who comes along in their life who's leader and macho and very masculine and they get attracted to that and they enter into a homosexual relationship just thinking that's where I'm supposed to be. That's not pointing the blame. Please be careful. Don't sit back and say, oh, if I was just different as a parent my kid wouldn't have entered into this. I'm just telling you it's a choice that everybody makes. There is a scripture that talks about the definition of a virtuous woman. 
Look at it here in Proverbs 31 and verse 10. Your virtue, your love will speak to all people and never, never, never discount deathbed conversions. If people give their life to Christ, they shall go to heaven. Verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion of her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it, and her profits, uh, from her profits she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes a tapestry for herself. She cl uh, her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes, fine, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. There's so much there about the virtue and character of this woman. She not only took care of her household, but she was a businesswoman also. She not only raised her children and took care of her husband, she was out there in such a way making a difference in the community that the people just praised her. They loved her. Ladies, you are a powerhouse for God. Guys, I'm not wanting to slight you. Father's Day will come. But I'm here today especially wanting everybody to see the value of women. Sometimes in our history, we've done terrible things. Sometimes in our history, we've limited ladies and said, listen, you will be subservient to this other person. You don't have to be subservient to anybody, but to only serve the Lord. When you're married, the Bible speaks how that you and your husbands are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Yes, when I married my wife, this ring on my finger constantly reminds me that I am her servant. The ring on her finger reminds her she is my servant. But that's not demeaning. That's a privilege. Hope you can catch that. That's a privilege that I get to serve my wife. Now, through the history, sometimes the man, I make the money, and you take care of the house. And back in a certain time of our history, ladies were able to stay home. 
If they didn't want a career outside the house, that was all right. They were able to be in the house. Praise the Lord for that. Ladies, never be ashamed of what you've done or don't do. But guys, don't sit back and think that when you get married, you've just hired a servant. Pastor, but you just said she was your servant. Hmm. Tanya, do I ever say to you, woman? Where's the grub? She says, you'll have someone you make it. No, she's never said that. See, it's a team effort. It's a team effort that goes on. You are important to God. Today, ladies, let's take a step up. You young women that are not married yet, take a step up in your expectation. Believe God for a gentleman. Believe God for a man of God who will love the Lord above and beyond everything and then be able to love you. Don't settle and say, well, I'm desperate. Better hit all the bars looking for the guys. They're not there. Well, Pastor, they're not here in church either. Pray them in. Let's do missionary dating. Oh, I just insulted all you young men. Sorry. Pray them in. Well, I'm going to do missionary dating, Pastor. Okay, but don't get in bed with them. That's called shacking up. That's called fornication. People don't say those words anymore. Don't compromise, but I don't want to lose him. And he says, he loves me. <laughs> don't let him in the store before he's paid for it. You'll regret it. Can God heal those kind of relationships? Yes. Have there been people that have shacked up and then found God or people that were Christians that still lived together and moved in together beforehand and then called out to the Lord and asked for his blessing? Yes. God can restore anything. But don't give yourself undue heartache. Don't give yourself situations that are going to hurt you in the long run that you're going to have to take a long time to heal over. God can deal with any relationship, but he's looking for you to have a standard. Ladies, you are virtuous and righteous. You should be the person that we open the door for. That doesn't make you the weaker sex. That makes you honored. Guys, honor your wives. Take time to make sure she's cared for. Open the door for her. Well, she's got an arm. I unlocked it. That's why God gave clickers on our key thing. Open the door for her. Put some effort into it. But it's raining. I'm going to get wet. Oh, yeah, like your sugar and you're going to melt. What's that old rhyme? I don't, boys weren't made of sugar and spice. Here's where we are today. With Christ, all things are possible. Ladies and gentlemen in this place, be people of virtue and honor. Jesus is coming back. Love people past all their limitations. Love people and be a part of their lives. Please don't sit back and say, no, 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 I, I can't go to this because that person's going to be there. And I don't want to think that them to think that I'm saying it's okay, the sin that they're in. Would you just go and be light in a dark place? Would you just go and hang out with somebody who's a mess, who might need some encouragement? 
Yeah, but what will people think, Pastor, if I'm with them? They're going to think that I'm condoning what they're doing. No, they're going to think, aren't you a wonderful person that you love them? Why is it that the homosexuals can only be loved by other homosexuals? Love them. Show them the truth and the word. Love them. Don't put them out and ostracize them. Love them because they need an example of righteousness and light. What do, you want me to pop a beer open when I'm with them so I can just fit in? I didn't say to be stupid. You don't do that in the first place. Be who you are. Be who you are. Wouldn't it be terrible if, let's say 90% of you are all Christians here today. Wouldn't it be terrible if we all knew each other's business so much that we all knew each other's sins? And we all walked up to each other and said, well, hi. Here, Jay, let's pick on you, sinner. Wouldn't it be terrible if you knew every detail about Jay's life and you're just his friend? Wouldn't it be terrible if you went up and shook his hand every time and said, oh, hi, and you listed all of his faults? That's not his name. His name is actually Leroy. I don't know. Jay just seemed easier, I guess, for most everybody. Is that your middle name? Okay, that's too much information. <laughs> if Prince can change his name, you can change your name. There you are. <laughs> Hello, man whose first wife named him this. Wouldn't that be terrible? Can we get past our sins? Can we get past our past and just love each other for who we are? Boy, we're a mess. Let's stand up together. Worship team, would you come? If you're a guest with us, you're saying, man, I'm never coming back to this place. I'm going to have to fill out a guest card and write down all my names. All my sins, all the rest. Oh, my. That would be awful. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the glory of God. Thank you for the anointing of Jesus Christ. Will you join me all in prayer? Heavenly Father, today just move amongst our midst. I thank you for the gift of life and love and family. I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you that you have a plan, that you have already gone ahead and prepared a place for us. We're not an afterthought. You have a plan. So today... As we look in our heart, help us to have the victory over challenges. Help us to deal with sin or habits or things that, boy, they, they just are pesky. They just keep trying to hold us back, and, and we want to move forward. Help us today pour out your precious blood. If you need healing in your body, I invite you to come on down to the altar here. We're going to pray for you today. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. But along with that, I want to ask you, do you know the Lord? Is it well with your soul? Were you like my science teacher? He knew about Jesus. But guess what? He really had an encounter one day that transformed his life. Are you ready to have a transformation? Are you ready to open up your heart to Christ? Believers, just feel free to lift up your hands and praise God. Thank him for your salvation. 
But if you need Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you repeat it after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my King. If that's your prayer, you've just been born again. Now live for God every day of your life. Feel free to come on down to the altar if you've made that decision. Let us pray with you. I promise we'll not embarrass you. But if you need Christ as your healer, come also and let's pray. Otherwise, worship with the worship team and let's give God glory today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.